For a Christian, there is one day of the year that stands out above the rest. A day that everything changed. Then three days later, it all changed again. A time when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This season has been commemorated throughout church history. A season of remembrance. A season of drawing near. Where believers of all kinds lay down something to the feet of Jesus and reflect on the total sacrifice he gave for us. In this season, we draw near to God because he first drew near to us. Join us as we celebrate the season of Lent. Well, good morning. How you all doing good this morning? You're alive and awake and enthusiastic and, and ready to do cartwheels? Yeah, good, good, good. We're all awake. And I, I get an opportunity to speak. Pastor Rob is a, a, out of town uh, this, this week. And, and I've, been, I've been fighting laryngitis all week. So I've been praying, God, I really want to speak. I'm excited to bring the message. Please give me my voice back. So um, bear with me if my voice goes in and out a little bit. But, uh, you know, hey, I believe God's going to uh, give me the opportunity to speak to you. We're going to talk about uh, some, some very cool things in this uh, 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 message of, of Lent and the season that we are in. We as a church decided this year that we're going to lean into uh, this season. What Lent is, maybe you've never done it before, maybe you don't even know what it is, and maybe you just think it's, it, it's for other religions. Lent is simply this, a season we're going to use to be, um, uh, take action and to lean into Jesus. We call it draw near to God. It is a season that leads up to the greatest single event on our calendar year, and that's Easter. Easter Sunday when we get to come and celebrate. And we want to draw in to prepare our hearts for that amazing time to celebrate that. As you came in and as you heard about extravaganza and our Easter service, we have this card that hopefully you got. If you didn't, grab one on your way out. There's great opportunities to, to serve on Easter. And there's, there's many things that uh, on extravaganza we need you, as, as you already heard. But also Easter Sunday, um, we have things like, you know, a Good Friday service. We need help with that. We have an Easter choir. Do you want to be part of the Easter choir? Everybody shake your head. Yes, yes, Adam, I do. Uh, uh, my, my wife, Erica, is one of the directors. So even for, for her sake, say, yes, Adam, I do. Um, uh, if you want to be part of that, come and, and join. You don't need to be a spectacular singer. Just come up and worship Jesus. Um, we need a, a first impressions help. We need a, a help with kids ministry because it's just a great event. So fill that out. Turn it into us. It's also a QR code. You can fill it out online. And, and that's why you got that as you came in. Like I said, we're, we're leaning into this season to draw near to Jesus, to give him all that we are. Not only in challenging us to um, make some, some sacrifices, but also to lean into things. And, and here's really why. In a nutshell, maybe you don't know what Lent is, but here, here's why. Because we want you to draw near to Jesus. Here's the biggest thing. There is a big difference between doing life for Jesus and doing life with Jesus. When you think about this, I want to say it again. There is a big difference between doing life for Jesus and doing life with Jesus. If we simply stop at doing life for Jesus... All we do is we try to do our best to follow the Ten Commandments and obey all the rules and, and do the right things and be a fine, upstanding citizen. I just need to do enough to, to make sure that God's not angry at me. And I need to serve him every once in a while. I need to come to church every once in a while to check the box. Uh, I need to, to, uh, to never speed, except maybe a little bit when I'm late to work, but a little bit, it's not a big deal, right? I mean, uh, or, or, or I never ever lie, except for when it's really convenient and just a little white one. No one's going to get hurt, right? Doing life for Jesus our mantra is this, I just want to live a good enough life where God lets me do what I want to do. 
This is living life for Jesus. In living life for Jesus, we don't really need to draw near to Jesus. We just got to appease him just a little bit. But our heart and our desire with this series is that we move from doing life for Jesus to doing life with Jesus. What this means is this. It's that I invite Jesus into every single part of my life. Every single area. I say, Jesus, I want you in here. I want my my life to be not only marked with obedience, but with a hunger for more of you. I want people to take notice the way that I worship, the way that I serve you, the way that I serve others, because you're with me. The mantra for those who are doing life with Jesus is this. Jesus, I don't want to do it if you're not part of it. The desire of our hearts as we put the series together is this that we would draw closer to Jesus, moving from simply people who do life for Jesus to people who do life with Jesus, to draw deeper. And the only way that I know how to draw closer to Jesus and do life with Jesus, there's only one way. And if you don't want to be challenged today, go ahead and plug your ears right now. Go ahead, you don't, don't listen to this part. If you don't want to be challenged, plug your ears. The only way I know how to do life with Jesus and to draw closer is this one word. Ready? Plug your ears if you're not ready. Discipline. How many of you love that word? Discipline. To to make sure that that I'm focused on Jesus is to to give him all that I am. Let me give you an example. Most of you would agree that if I want to become more like Jesus, I need to read my Bible every day. I need to read my Bible a lot. And and, uh, and we, we read our Bible because it is a what? Starts with a D. I just said it. Discipline. It is a discipline that I've instated in my life that I want to be more like Jesus. And I'm in my Bible reading, I'm in our favorite book of the Bible, Leviticus. How many of you love, just love reading Leviticus? I mean, oh, that's just the good stuff there. Okay, let's be honest. We love Leviticus. We, We all do. Disclaimer, we all do. But there are some chapters in Leviticus and Numbers that I'm like, can we just skip this one today because I don't really need it. Like I was in Leviticus 17 and I read this. Do not sacrifice to goat gods. Okay, listen. I don't often brag, but I'm doing pretty good with that one. I mean, I, mean, I haven't sacrificed to a goat god recently. So, I mean, ever, ever have I. And, and, and it's not that I haven't had the opportunity. My neighbor has this giant goat, which is a god amongst goats. And I've never sacrificed to it. That's right. Way to go, Pastor Adam. And so I, you read that, and, and I'm like, done, I don't need it. But the discipline comes when I say, not just, okay, I didn't sacrifice to a goat, God. But God, wait, really, what are you saying to Adam with this? Discipline is wrestling with chapters that we're not even sure what to do with. And as I wrestle with it, I say, God, what are you teaching me? What do you want me to know? And it's simply to put God first, that obedience. So there's something you can get that's discipline. I want to talk to you today. Excuse me if I drink water often in this message. What I want to talk to you today about is, is, is a spiritual discipline that maybe you've tried and maybe you haven't. You've probably heard about it. I'm not sure where everybody stands on it, but it's a spiritual discipline of fasting. Don't raise your hands right now, but how many of you ever tried fasting? How many of you ever uh, uh, had that discipline in your life? Some, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. 
What is fasting? What is it all about? When, when we do this Lent challenge, Pastor Rob gave us the challenge, and, and part of it is fasting. What is that all about? Why? I don't like fasting because I like to eat. I like food. Why do we fast? I want to talk to you today about what it is and why we do it, what it accomplishes, why it's different. If you have your Bible, open up to in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to jump into part of the Sermon on the Mount. As Rob has been saying, this is the greatest Lent sermon ever preached. But Jesus talks to us about prayer and fasting. In chapter 6, I'm going to jump into verse 16. But before I do, let's pray. Lord, help us today to hear your voice in your word. God, would you challenge us to draw closer to you? Use my words and my voice to clearly convey your truth. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Here's what it says. And when you fast, what, is he, what did he say? And what did he not say? Okay, I'm, just, I'm not even going to preach on that. I'm just going to leave that right there. You wrestle with that. He says, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. <clears throat> for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. This is the only reward they'll ever get. Doesn't that sound like fun? He says this, but when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees, you, sees everything will what? Reward you. What was Jesus' point in, in, in what he said here? What was the, like, if you could sum this up, what was Jesus saying? He was saying what the Pharisees were doing is that they wanted everybody to know how spiritual they were. If you don't know what a Pharisee is, they were just spiritual leaders of their time. And they would go so far as, the, the Bible tells you, you read commentaries, they would make themselves look like death to show how holy and spiritual they are. Imagine if we did that, like, I'm fasting today. Oh, woe is me, I'm terrible. And Jesus says, all the reward they'll ever get is the pat on the back from somebody. That's it. Why would you give up great food to get just a pat on the back? He says, but when you fast, don't let anyone know. And the Father who sees what's in private will reward you. What Jesus is saying is this, motive matters. I draw closer to Jesus not to get a pat on the back or more gold stars on my Christian list. I do these things, reading the Bible and fasting, because I want to know him more. That's it. I fast not because I want you to think that I'm a, a holy pastor. Because honestly, at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. I fast, I pray, I do these things because I want Jesus in my life to a greater degree. I don't just want to do life for Jesus. I want to do life with Jesus. What is fasting? Maybe you've never heard of it before. Fasting is simply this. It's, it's a spiritual discipline that calls us to deny the desires of our flesh and fill ourselves up with God. To set aside some of the things we like and enjoy in order to make room for Jesus. To make room for more. 
heard somebody say it this way. Fasting is empty abundance. I empty myself so I can live more abundantly in Christ. And because I want him more than all these other things that I enjoy, I'm willing to lay those down. <clears throat> it's where we empty ourselves of the temporary to make room for the eternal. These temporary things, God, I'm going to push pause on because I want you more, because I need you more. But why does he ask us to do it? How is fasting any different than just really good prayers? Why? What does fasting do that regular prayers don't? There's a reason that Jesus says when, not if. Because fasting does a few things that takes these things up to a new level. Now, I want to cover three things that fasting does. Fasting does infinite amount of things. I just want to bring you three that I have prayed about and believe that God needs, needs us to hear. I want to talk about three things that fasting accomplishes. Number one is this. Fasting places an exclamation point on our prayers. Fasting takes, takes those prayers and puts that exclamation point and say, God, I need an answer here. God, I need your power here. God, I need your healing. So much so that I'm willing to put everything else aside for you. I don't know that you've ever, if you've ever been in a situation where you need that. Or say, Jesus, I need you. Fasting is that clarity we need to hear his voice. There's a, in the book of Acts, talks about fasting quite a bit. The book of Acts, I love the book of Acts. It is the story of the birth of the church, the spread of the gospel, of the good news, of the followers of Christ. But it's not just the story of the spread of the church. It's the story of the spread of the church with power. It's not just some people on their own trying to plant churches. It's the Holy Spirit's power through them. And if you flip to the book of Acts, chapter 13, it shows us how serious they were about this spread of the gospel and fasting. As several of the leaders at that time got to, gathered together. And it says this in chapter 13, verse 2. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and, and what? And fasting, they were worshiping and fasting. The Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid the hands on them and sent them on their way. These people gathered together to worship and pray, and they're putting an exclamation point saying, God, we know this truth needs to go to the world. We know these people need to hear this truth. We need your power. And so they begin to pray and fast, the exclamation point on their prayers. And what happens? God speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks and says, hey, Saul, who's known also as Paul and Barnabas, I want you to send them out to go start churches, to go uh, spread this word. They fasted and they heard from God. Fasting was that exclamation point. And how do we know that's exactly what God wanted to happen? Well, if you know anything about Paul, all we have to do is read the bulk of the rest of the New Testament to understand this is the power they needed to spread the gospel. Paul, almost single-handedly, he and Barnabas and some others went with him at some point. 
They spread the gospel. They planted churches. They launched movements, not on their own will, on their own work, but on the work of the Holy Spirit. I believe it was because they decided to fast and say, God, we need you. What we also see is, is a habit, something they did often in Acts 14. It says Paul and Barnabas went out and they were spreading the words. It says, Paul and Barnabas also appointed elders in every church with prayer and fasting. They turned the elders over to the care of the Lord to whom they had put their trust. They would go launch churches and they would raise up leaders and they would pray and fast for them as those people would lead that church and then they would go on and do it again. Fasting was that exclamation point. I don't know if you've ever been to a place in your life where you need, uh, you need clarity of what God wants to do. You need direction. I want to challenge you to try fasting. There's been many times in my life where I said, God, I don't know what to do in this situation. I need direction. And I've chosen to fast. And what fasting does is it quiets all these other voices so that I can hear his a little more clearly. Need direction? Fasting is that exclamation point. Is that clarity moment to hear his voice. Fasting is an exclamation point on our prayers. Number two is this. Fasting is an MRI on our soul. This is the one that makes us a little uncomfortable. Because when we fast, we say, God, I'm fasting for this, but here I am. Open me up. Do what you need to do. Fasting removes comfort. Do you know what the number one thing that, that we as, as humans do for comfort? Where do we run to in comfort? It's not alcohol or drugs. The number one thing is food. We have a term for it, comfort food. On the count of three, everybody shout out your favorite comfort food. One, two, three. Oh, dude, now I'm hungry. Fasting is over. I eat fried chicken. One of my favorites is, is steak and potatoes. Just like a good, good barbecued steak. Oh, come on. Another one of my comfort foods is, is as I go home after a stressful day, and, and I used to do a lot more, but I'm trying to eat better, is just a piece of peanut butter toast. Like just, ah, it's just comfort for me. Do you know what the number one American comfort food is? I, I, I read a Harris poll. The number one American comfort food is pizza. I'm disappointed. Pizza's good, but it's not steak. I mean... By a, by a majority. How many of you like pizza's it? Pizza's comfort. Here's why I'm saying this. We have this term comfort food, don't we? But we also have a term, eat your feelings. We eat our feelings. When these voices start to rise up in my head, you're not good enough. What you did today, you're terrible. You're awful. The stress of your day and all the stuff you have to do. We try to quiet these voices, whether or not you know you do it, some of you may not be guilty of it, but a lot of us are, is we eat because it's comfortable. <sighs> so I want to eat some more food. We eat our feelings because these comfort things put up this defense against those voices, against the stress. Temporarily, right, because you still got to go to work the next day. <laughs> but temporarily it does. Here's what I know about Fasting. I know this, that comfort kills faith. But fasting kills comfort. It's because I take that comfort and I set it aside. I say, Jesus, I'm setting aside my defenses and my comfort for you. 
And when we do that, what we do is we put ourselves on a table and say, God, whatever you want to do in me, no matter how uncomfortable it may be, show me. And I've said this before, but one of the prayers I pray is this. God, reveal to me all the areas in my life that don't line up with your word. I don't like sometimes what God says there. And listen, I love each and every one of you. Everybody online, in the chapel, everybody here. I love you. You're beautiful. But you ain't perfect. When we fast, we set aside comforts so that we can open ourselves up to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and things he's able to say in those moments, we, not, we typically don't ever give him time to say. Because we're so busy putting up our defenses of comfort. When I fast, I open myself up. To let God speak. Uh, flip over to Isaiah 58. I love this chapter. Chapter Isaiah is a prophet. And he's speaking to the people of Israel. And the people at this time, uh, they, they were going through all the motions. They, they were doing the worship services just right. They were, they were attending. They were going to the, the temple. And, and, and they were fasting. And they were, they were doing the right sacrifices. And I love it, what it says here in Isaiah 58, verse 3. It says, we have fasted before you, Lord. Why are you not impressed? It's almost as if they stand up and say, look how great we are. We fasted. Are you not impressed by our great spirituality, our depth of understanding? God, aren't you impressed by me? <laughs> Pat yourselves on the back. This is essentially what they're doing. Remember we talked about motive matters? In this moment, as they fast, Isaiah responds with a message from God saying this. I'll tell you why. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. It says, even while you fast, so, so not only are they trying to please themselves, it says, even while you fast, you keep oppressing workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? What they were doing in their fast were trying to impress God by all the fasting, but not change anything in their lives. Fasting destroys that comfort so that when we do go and fast, God opens up an, a, a new channel, an opportunity for us to, to see what's really inside. We can't be too hard on, on, on the Israelites here. Because you notice they were fasting and what does God do? He speaks to them. Even in the midst of their unhealthiness and trying to, to, to showcase who they are, he speaks to them. MRI on our soul. And he says this, he says, no, this is the kind of fasting that I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. Do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation, I love this part, then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then, when you call on the Lord, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will come and quickly reply. He'll quickly reply. What he's saying is this. Motive matters. Not only when we fast do we need to allow God to speak to us, but it needs to impact how we live our everyday life how we serve those around us. 
Sometimes we can just be caught up in just doing the spiritual act. I fasted and I prayed, that's good, but I don't really want to change anything. I fasted and I prayed, but, but God, I want to be blind to all the need around me. When we fast, God changes our hearts and aligns us with his word and, more importantly, his heart, which is his word. Fasting is that prayer, but what is the action? He's saying, what I want you to do is I want you to fast, continue to fast, but it's got to change the way you live. Fasting is like an MRI on our souls. When we fast, we need to listen Listen to what God is saying about us in our condition. Fasting should lead us to see our brokenness and the brokenness around us. That's one of the things fasting accomplishes. One of the things it does. It's an MRI on our souls. And third, and finally, fasting is an infusion of power. Fasting is an infusion of power into our situation. Fasting paves the way for the miraculous. I believe it with all of my heart. God moves many times, in spite of who we are, how good we are, what we do. But there's that level of fasting that paves the way for the miraculous in our lives. And let me give you an example from Scripture. Second Chronicles 20. One of my favorite kings outside of King David, because we all got to say King David's our favorite, right? Because he's like the hero. One of my favorite kings in all of scripture is King Jehoshaphat. I just love this king for many reasons. Not only was he a godly man, but, but when I was a kid, we did a play, and, and it was called Fat, Fat Jehoshaphat, and I just never forget that, and it was funny, and I was in the play, so obviously it's really close to my heart. Um, but I learned all about him as a kid doing this play for church. It was great. But there's this... this this part in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 where Jehoshaphat is leading his people and a messenger comes and says, King, King, wait, hold on. There are three armies coming to destroy us. Now let me put that in perspective. One of those armies could destroy them. It was big enough and powerful enough to destroy them. There wasn't one, there wasn't two, there was three armies coming to destroy the Israelites. Now, you're King Jehoshaphat. You're leading the people. What do you do? Congratulations, you're king for the day. How do you lead in this moment? And I, I, you, you freak out. You, you, you begin to train all the three-year-olds how to wield a sword because I need everybody who can breathe to come fight. You raise the walls like 7,000 feet up and make them 7,000 feet thick. I, 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 what do you do? What, what do you do? Verse, uh, verse 3 says this. Jehoshaphat was terrified, of course, duh, by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. Listen to this. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all over the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord to fast together. Rather than panic and sharpen swords, Jehoshaphat goes to the one place where he knows the battle can be won. And he calls the people to fast. We need to pray. We need to seek God because we stand no chance. The only chance we have against these armies is our Heavenly Father, is God our Savior. Flip down a few verses. Chapter thir or verse 13 of chapter 20 says this, and I love this line. 
All the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. I love that. Look at the picture. All of Judah came together. They grabbed their kids. Come with us. We need to seek Jesus. Wives, everybody, come. We need to together seek Jesus. Listen, I don't have time for this message. There is power in unity when the church gathers together to pray. There's power when we seek God. And they're all gathered together. The Spirit of the Lord then, as they're praying, as they're fasting, as they're paving the way for the miraculous, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there, Jehaziel, son of Zechariah. Skip to verse 15. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. It's God's. He says, tomorrow march out against them. You will find coming, you'll find coming through the valley of Ziz, the end of the valley that opens up into the wilderness of, of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against him tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. They sought God. They prayed. They fasted. And God said, guess what? This battle is not yours, it's mine. I want you to go out and I just want you to stand there and watch what I can do. The miraculous. Did it work? What's the rest of the story? Don't leave us hanging. What happened? Verse 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. At worship team, you go first. Sorry. We're going to battle, worship team. Front and center. You want to join the choir now? After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. They begin singing and praising. Why? How were they able to do this? Because in their prayer and fasting, they heard God speak, and he said, don't worry, it's mine. And they said, all right, it's yours. God, how great are you? I love this part. I love, I love uh, when you see God step up. At that very moment, they were worshiping, they were praying, they were watching. They began to sing and give praise, and the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. I, I laugh because this is just, wow. You imagine standing there and just, they're, they're killing each other. Huh. It, sorry, my brain. Um, the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. You imagine being the Israelites and you're standing there in that valley looking down and just watching these armies who are coming together in unity to kill you start killing each other. I believe God pr provided this miracle because his people began to fast first. Not shore up their walls and not sharpen their swords and not go in to try to fight on their own strength. They begin to fight where the battle needs to be fought, spiritually first. Spiritual first. How often in our lives do we misidentify the enemy in our spiritual battles? Do I go against these oppositions and these, these voices in my head and these struggles that I have and I try to fight them on my own strength? When we fast, 
we understand and put our hearts and minds in a place to understand the battle is God's and it's first and foremost fought and won spiritually. How do I know this? Ephesians 6, 12 says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Fasting is not this magic key to make God do whatever we want. Fasting paves the way to let God do what he wants to do. And the battles that we fight, listen to me, church. The battles you fight are first and foremost spiritual. We cannot be ignorant of that fact. When we fast, we say, God, lay my life down. You're my only hope. And it paves the way for the supernatural. It says, God, I need you. Listen, we don't tell God what to do. But when we fast, we align our hearts with what he wants to do. And I just sense... Some of us here and your families need a breakthrough in power. I want to challenge you. Put aside the comfort and go after Jesus. That's where the battle's won. How he does what he does with, with what is a, a, a given to him, that's his, that, that's his. Our job is just to be there and willing and saying, God, all of me, all that I am, I give to you. Here's what I understand, church. We, fasting does so many different things, but I know this, fasting's not easy. As soon as you get a challenge to fast or you think you should, if you're anything like me, the first thing that come up is excuses. Well, I can't do that day. I got something really, I'm busy that day, and, and I'm going to the gym that day, so I really need to eat my pizza that day. Um, that day, no, that's not. not that. I understand there are reasons, medical reasons, some of us cannot fast. I understand that. So please do not feel guilty by what I'm saying. But what I do understand is this. I believe God is calling his church to pray like never before in a, in a season and in a time and in a culture where we need it the most. We need to be the people who draw near to Jesus and say, God, I give up my comforts to focus on you. I empty myself because, God, what our world needs is not another great sermon by Pastor Adam. What it needs is the Spirit of God poured out amongst my family, amongst my neighbors, my coworkers, and my school. Jesus, we need you. So here's my challenge. Pastor Rob has already given you the challenge to fast. I'm just going to reiterate what he said. So you get mad at anybody, get mad at him, right? No, just kidding. Don't get mad at Pastor Rob. I want to challenge you. Find some time this week and, and fast. Maybe it's just one meal. Congratulations, you did something. Here, 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 be, a, here be an example. And listen, don't tell me what you're doing. It's, remember, it's not, not, not for me. It's between you and Jesus. What's the Holy Spirit telling you? But, but maybe you, you fast this week, breakfast and lunch, so that you're not dragging your family into your fast. Sometimes they should join you. Right? We read that here. I, I, I don't know. I'm just giving you an example. What I want you to do is I want you in this moment to hear what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. Are we going to be the people who say yes to Jesus? Are we going to be the people who say, God, whatever it takes, I don't just want comfortable Christianity. That didn't change anything. I look at a world that needs Jesus that is broken 
that is oppressed. And Jesus, I come to you seeking you for my family. You fill in the blank. God, do in me what only you want to do. I close with this. A week ago Saturday, so a week from uh, yesterday, this room, this building was filled up with the teenagers from all over our, our network doing what we call fine arts. Come on, it's here, fine arts. Okay. Um, listen, and I was here for, for a portion of it. And, and I'm watching, like, like, the talent of our students, not only ours, but around, around our, our network going, look at what God, God helped them to do. And, and we had a worship team, like, wow, I was just worshiping Jesus. We had talent up and coming. And there's, there's a couple, there's different things they could, they could enter in, like art and, and, uh, and music and various things. One of the categories was short sermons. Um, and <clears throat> to be honest, I hear some of them preach. I'm like, yeah, okay, they're better than me. <laughs> Put them up on the stage. Uh, uh, Mason did an awesome job. But, but there's, there's one that just really kind of hit me in the heart, and that's uh, Josie. Eighth grader in our youth ministry. It's not because you're special, Josie. It's because God used you and you were willing to be used, honestly. And, but, but, but your words spoke to me. I was ready for your altar call, Josie, by the way. Like, I'm going up. I need to get this to me. What she said spoke to me. She, she, she told the story of, of the ten lepers and how only one came back. Only one. And the challenge was this. Will you be the one? I want to be the one. Like, God, I, I don't just want to take this for granted. I want to do what no one else does so I can see what no one else can see. And I'm listening to that, and God just downloaded in my heart, Adam, you want to be the one? Are, are you ready to, to pay the price to put aside your comfort? And that's really my challenge today. It would be easy for all of us to pat ourselves on the back and walk out the doors and live our life. Listen, it'd be easy. But I wonder if in this room and who's watching online, watching in, in the chapel, I wonder if the Holy Spirit's speaking to somebody saying, will you be the one to seek me like no one else has sought me? To sacrifice and lay down your comforts for more of me. Church, I've said it already and I'll say it again. We live in a very, very broken world. The only answer is Jesus Christ. Is his power working through us. Fighting our battles for us. So I'm going to ask you this. Please understand. If anything that I've said makes you offended or uncomfortable, you're free from that, right? Because I'm not telling you what to do. It's you and Jesus. My, 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 my goal here is not to condemn you. If you feel any sort of condemnation for, for not fasting or, or not doing this, you're released. I love you. Go love Jesus. I am absolutely preaching today for conviction, though. absolutely preaching today that maybe the Holy Spirit will convict us and say, ready to draw near? Ready to take another step? 
That's the Lent challenge. In a nutshell, Jesus, I don't want to do life for you. I want to do life with you. Come. I'm going to pray. I'm going to close. As I pray, I don't want you to hear Pastor Adam's words. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Perhaps fasting. It's doing the one, being the one, doing what no one else does. Will you let the Holy Spirit speak to you and challenge you? I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song. And then your host will come and, and, and close. But I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Say, God, what do you want me to do? Would you be the MRI on my soul? God, I pray and fast. This is an exclamation point on my prayers because I need you. God, I want to pray and believe for the supernatural. Would you bow with me? Lord, help us. Help us, God, to hear your voice and step out of our comfort in order to hear you, in order to see you do what only you can do. Not for our glory and not to pat ourselves on the back, God. It's not what this is about. It is for you. It is for our neighbors. It is for our families. We cry out to you, Jesus, because yours is the name that is above every other name. And Jesus, I pray that you'd move in this place. Speak to our hearts. And may we not be like the nine who walk away and forget, but may we be like that one leper. Say, God, I'm going to do it. I'm in. Whatever it takes. Jesus, I pray for anybody in this room, anybody in the sound of my voice who does not yet know you. God, I pray your spirit and your truth would speak to them, that they would surrender their lives to you in this moment and begin a journey with you. God, use us and challenge us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and take a moment to reflect on what Jesus is calling you to do?